They're being questioned for four to eight hours on their connections with Iran. Tonight, what we have now learned after reports that U.S. citizens of Iranian descent are being questioned at the Canada-U.S. border. Plus, all the businesses around me are in absolute shock. Uh, and I even know some businesses have decided to move. Why 2020 will be frustrating for drivers and costly for some business owners in downtown Vancouver. And... That was not very dignified. The awkward operation to get a backyard sea lion back to its home. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with what appears to be a new U.S. response to escalating tensions in the Middle East. But this one happening in our own backyard. Reports that those of Iranian descent are now facing what U.S. officials described as enhanced questioning at the Peace Arch border crossing. As Paul Johnson reports, it means some are being delayed for hours. They told me that I need to go in for further inspection. That's the voice of an American citizen of Iranian descent who asked to not be identified. She was returning to her home in Washington state and says the extra questioning and delays took six hours. When it was my turn, I had to answer some question about my background and my citizenship. There was one lady waiting there since 2 a.m. and there were some other people and there for hours, like 10 hours. U.S. immigration lawyer Len Saunders says he's been inside the facility and has seen the large group of Americans and Canadians of Iranian descent who've been held up for so long the border guards were distributing food. The head office of CBP in Washington, D.C. has instructed the ports to vet any individuals who are born in Iran who are traveling to the United States. Extreme vetting is how Saunders says U.S. officials described the plan to him. But Sunday, U.S. Customs and Border Protection told Global News there is no new directive, but that based on the current threat environment, CBP is operating with an enhanced posture at its ports of entry. 60 Iranian Americans, U.S. citizens, were detained by the United States when returning from Canada. However you define it, peace activists demonstrating in front of the U.S. consulate Sunday see it as heavy-handed. Apparently, many of the people caught up in the enhanced questioning were returning from a concert in Vancouver Saturday by popular Persian pop singers. And some are making the point that many of those being stopped are actually vehemently opposed to the current regime in Iran, which is why they left and became Canadian and American citizens in the first place. That fact is what's left so many of this weekend's travelers stunned. I think if we don't talk about it, and then they are going to maybe get worse. And, you know, this is not the way to treat a U.S. citizen. Paul Johnson, Global News. There was a big show of support from Vancouver's Jewish community in the wake of last week's attack in New York State during Hanukkah. Dozens gathered at Jackpool Plaza this morning to take a group photo holding a sign saying, Stand Together. At least six people were slashed in a machete attack at a rabbi's home in Monzi, New York, during Hanukkah celebrations on December 28th. Well, what we saw was that we wanted to show the people of New York that there 
not alone when they're fighting hatred. Hatred is not a city problem. It's not a New York City problem. It's not even a country problem or a North American problem. It's a global problem. And we want to stand with them as members of the world community, of members of the North American community, to say that we see this too, and we care for what you're going, for, going through. It was a very blustery day in parts of the South Coast today with strong winds causing some power outages. People in Vancouver's West End were bundled up against the wind gusts. Some clocked at 70 kilometers an hour. And it didn't take much for a large dead cedar tree to come down at Mountain View Cemetery in Vancouver this afternoon. Falling trees have also downed numerous power lines across Metro Vancouver, causing several thousand customers to lose power. BC Hydro says crews are working to restore it as quickly as possible. And earlier in the day, stormy weather caused some ferry sailings to be cancelled. The 11 and 1 o'clock sailings out of Tawasson and the 11 o'clock and noon sailing from Swartz Bay were cancelled due to strong winds. Fortunately, the weather improved to allow the 2 and 6 o'clock special sailings of the coastal celebration. The delays left many travellers cooling their heels at the terminal, waiting for a break in the weather. I want to get home. I just drove out from Calgary. I'm tired. My bed. Clean shower. Yeah. Warm bed? <laughs> Warm bed. Warm bed. I got yeah. here at 9.15 and 15. a friend was having a concert at 2.45, so oh, no, I'm not going to make that. But, you know, I can get there and have dinner with her. But I'm told, coming back yeah. tomorrow morning, so, you know, every hour counts. They told yes. us they're going to load us at 3, and now because there are people that have reservations, we're bumped to maybe 4. Or 5. Or 5, which is what happens when those reservations are taken, too. We have been here since the 9 o'clock sailing. So have you? Yeah, we had a reservation for the 9 o'clock. And then, um, and then we locked our keys inside our truck. <laughs> so we had to get a locksmith to come and pop it open and miss the sailing. Yeah. And then the 11 o'clock sailing was cancelled. And now we have been here uh, for almost six hours. Tough day. And we're not done with the nasty weather yet. With many heading back to work and school tomorrow after the holiday break, there's a possibility of a messy commute. Meteorologist Yvonne Schell is here with more on that. Yvonne. Colleen, we are tracking a number of storms. This one that's pushing in overnight and for the Monday morning back to work in school. We are looking at rain for most areas. It'll develop overnight and continue for the morning hours, 20 and up to 30 millimeters. But there is the potential higher elevations, the usual spots, Westwood Plateau and Burnaby Mountain, two and up to four centimeters of snowfall. It'll change over to rain by the afternoon as temperatures do start to bump up. Tomorrow afternoon, it's a chance of showers. But the next storm that we're tracking, it'll be by the evening tomorrow, rain and heavy at times, a significant amount is going to take us all the way in towards our Tuesday and Wednesday. I'll have more on that. We also have snowfall warnings if you're heading into the interior and along the mountain passes. Those numbers coming up very shortly. Colleen? All right, Yvonne, thank you. A man in his early 50s died after being caught in an avalanche in the Nicola Valley yesterday. The slide happened near Cabin Lake, 56 kilometers southwest of Merritt, trapping one of two men who were snowmobiling. The victim's companion tried unsuccessfully to locate him. Members of Nicola Valley Search and Rescue flew to the scene and found the body. No name has been released. Much of BC is currently under a high avalanche risk. People are urged to stay out of the backcountry. 
And BC Hydro now says crews have restored power to residents in the central and southern interior still cleaning up from the snowstorm on New Year's Eve. About 160,000 homes and businesses lost electricity at some point in the days following the storm. And the last customers in the dark were connected back to the grid this afternoon. Well, if you thought driving through downtown Vancouver was already difficult, brace yourself for even more traffic headaches. Starting tomorrow, two major infrastructure projects kick off. Waterman replacement on West Georgia and bike lane construction along Richard Street. Grace Key now with the details and the concerns the work is raising. Richard Street has been home to Blushing Boutique for the past 13 years. Everything you see is designed and manufactured in Vancouver. But the owner is worried about the future with construction for a protected bike lane about to start. Parking is difficult enough in Vancouver, so this is going to be a huge problem. Um, we are a destination shop. Construction begins on Monday and wraps up in spring 2021. The work will be done in four to five block segments between Cordova and Pacific Streets. Traffic will be reduced to one lane in the construction area. The bike lane will provide a north-south connection to Gastown and False Creek. 85% of street parking will be maintained. This water main break hit the heart of downtown Vancouver in September. The replacement is another major construction that starts on Monday. This one takes place along West Georgia between Thurlow and Howe Streets. Three lanes of traffic will be open in construction areas and during rush hour two lanes in each direction will be open. It's critical that we replace it. It's, it's just going to get worse. Uh, it's going to cause, you know, it could cause significant damage to road, to the road base, to, uh, it could be flooding businesses around. That project will be done by April, but in February, just around the corner, Pacific Center will start waterproofing membrane work along Howe Street between Dunsmere and Georgia. And in May, the work will move to Georgia between Granville and Howe Streets and continue until November. I'm sure there's an upside. Really, for us, it's just annoying with parking. Improvements have to happen, so what do we expect? You know, um, they have to be done, and... That sort of thing takes time. Access to residences, businesses and most sidewalks will be maintained throughout the projects, but expect delays and detours in the downtown area. Grace Key, Global News. At least six people were sent to hospital this morning after a small fire broke out at a baked goods distribution center in Langley City. It happened at Canada Bread near 204th Street and the Langley Bypass at 9.30. The fire chief says several workers tried to put out a fire after it started in a piece of equipment. Six employees were hospitalized for smoke inhalation. Several other workers got out of the building safely. A Surrey woman charged in a hit and run that injured two construction flaggers in Burnaby has been found not criminally responsible. Brenda Argay was captured on video in July of 2017, striking a flagger with her SUV and running over her legs before she hit a second flagger down the road. The 40-year-old was arrested after police got a call about a woman assaulting two children nearby. Argay was charged with two counts of assault with a weapon, dangerous driving, and failing to stop at an accident. Her lawyer confirms she was found not criminally responsible due to a mental disorder. Michael Beckett says his client was suffering from a severe episode of psychosis that rendered her incapable of appreciating the nature and quality of her actions at the time.
A murder suspect who was one of B.C.'s most wanted fugitives until his arrest in California last year is now facing attempted murder charges in connection to a fatal 2017 shooting and a separate incident in 2015. Brandon Teixeira was captured in Oroville, California last December after being wanted for more than a year on first-degree murder charges in the October 2017 shooting death of Nicholas Cabra in Surrey. The 28-year-old has since been charged with attempted murder and discharging a firearm with intent to wound or disfigure. U.S. court documents allege Teixeira also shot Cabra's girlfriend while shooting Cabra in the back. Court records also show charges of attempted murder and aggravated assault were sworn against Teixeira for an alleged incident in Maple Ridge in August of 2015. A warning from Victoria's top cop after a dramatic takedown there. Chief Constable Del Manick posting on Twitter asking if this replica handgun looks real. Turns out someone called 911 after seeing a man with what appeared to be a handgun tucked in a waistband. The suspect was arrested at gunpoint in downtown Victoria. Manick is urging people to, in his words, know better. And he's thanking the citizen for calling it in. A patient who failed to return to a forensic psychiatric hospital is back in custody. Adam Ivan Gorges was reported missing Friday evening after failing to return to Colony Farm in Coquitlam. RCMP say the 29-year-old, who was unlawfully at large, has now been located. It's the second time in less than a year he has not returned to the hospital when he should have. The sea lion that did not want to leave the comfort of a backyard in the sunshine close. To that story later in the news hour. We are learning more tonight about those husky puppies rescued after being found outdoors on a property in the interior. As we told you last night, those 17 puppies and two adult dogs are now up for adoption. But as Shelby Tom reports, if you're hoping to get one, you're not alone. Animal care attendants at the Penticton SPCA branch must wear full protective gear to tend to five of the 17 husky puppies. We've been treating them for some diseases. Uh, they're highly contagious called Jardia and they need to be quarantined because it's so contagious to other dogs. Contagious because they were found riddled with parasites, shivering and lethargic in sub-zero temperatures on a property in the BC interior. RCMP and animal control officers responded to a complaint and found the eight to 10 week old husky puppies living outside in the cold and snow. The puppies and two adult Siberian huskies surrendered by the owner to the BC SBCA on Christmas Eve. They're now available for adoption and being cared for at the South Okanagan and Vernon shelters. The animal welfare organization says it's overwhelmed by the amount of online applications. We've had almost a thousand applications for these puppies. 17 puppies and a thousand applications. It's it's been excellent. But the special breed of dog requires a special home. We'll be looking for an active household. Uh, people like to hike or run or things like that. They're a very active dog. All of the dogs except Yuki are available. He's the smallest of the litter and still has some medical concerns. Staff remain hopeful he'll live up to his name, which is an Inuit word meaning survivor. We're waiting on vet reports. We're going to be doing some x-rays and things and see how he's doing and we'll let the public know once that happens this week. With inquiries pouring in from across the country, the BCSPCA is reminding potential adopters that they must travel here to the Okanagan to meet with their puppy in person before the adoption can be finalized. Shelby Tom, Global News, Penticton.
As wildfires continue to rage out of control down under, a team of Okanagan volunteers is stepping up to help. A Kelowna group is packing their bags for the flight to Australia. Their mission? To help save wild animals in danger. The bushfire season may have impacted more than half a billion animals, according to researchers. More than 5.25 million hectares have been scorched so far, and there's no end in sight. The Okanagan volunteers will be taking the tools they need to help save koalas, kangaroos, wombats and other wildlife. We're going into Save Australian Wildlife, also work with different organizations because the volunteers are taxed right now. They're not getting enough sleep, they need a break. We've seen a few video clips, we've seen a few images, but we know that it's going to be way worse than what we're seeing. There's, we're going to see, unfortunately, things on fire. We're going to see a lot of deceased animals and it's, it's not going to be easy. The team, which specializes in tree rescues, says it will do whatever it takes to save mammals, reptiles, birds, and amphibians from the wildfires. Good for them. Tensions continue to grow in the Middle East with Iran and the U.S. trading threats. The U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo now saying the U.S. could target other Iranian leaders. It comes as Iran mourns the death of General Qassem Soleimani at the hands of the U.S. and more American soldiers ship out to the Middle East. A hero's welcome for the body of Qasem Soleimani. Tens of thousands packed Iran's largest mosque as part of a grand funeral procession. While in parliament, members chanted death to America. In neighboring Iraq, lawmakers in parliament voted to kick out all foreign troops, a move that could spell the end of America's military presence in Iraq. Today's decision was rushed through after the U.S. airstrike outside Baghdad's airport. But for Iraqis, the source of anger isn't the killing of Soleimani, but rather Shiite militia commander Abu Mahdi al-Mohandis, says Iraqi politician Saad al-Mutalabi. Do you think if uh, Qasem Soleimani was the only person killed that Iraq wouldn't have been as angry? Oh, definitely. Qasem Soleimani, as there are mixed feelings here in Iraq on Qasem Soleimani. Some believe he's a hero, some believe he's a thug. The United States blames El Mohandes' militias for killing an American contractor that sparked off a series of retaliatory attacks. And why isn't there outrage when the Americans are being attacked? Yes, there was, there was anger. There was, uh, uh, but the, the reply was in the proportion to the attack. Uh, to be honest, I mean, we're, we're, many people were very embarrassed by the attack on the American bases. In Lebanon, Hezbollah leader Hassan Nasrallah promised supporters American soldiers will pay the price for killing him. This comes as additional U.S. troops leave for the region. Many fear a war is coming. More Canadian crews are en route to Down Under to help in the firefight. A team of 21 headed out from YVR last night. All the best from, from an Aussie. Right. Yeah. Thanks for your, thanks for your service. Thank you. Stay safe. They're in a serious situation, so all we can do, and they're, and they're running, they've been going 100 days straight, uh, some of them, and they need a break. When's the last time in, in BC or Canada that we've fought fire in 45 degree temperatures, peak season, we're not getting anywhere near that, so it's a whole new world. 
These specialists jumping on the plane to join three Canadian deployments already hard at work supporting local crews battling bushfires. Cooler temperatures and calmer winds are bringing some relief to fire-ravaged communities. The country's prime minister toured some of the devastation today. Scott Morrison is facing fierce criticism that his government was slow to act and refuses to acknowledge and address climate change. People are angry and they will, if people want to direct that at me or that is up to them. It's not something that will distract me. It is something that I will empathise with. It is something that I understand. It's not something for me to take personally. And the sky above neighbouring New Zealand, 2,000 kilometres away, has turned a bright orange colour by the smoke. In Auckland, people have also reported their breathing has been affected. Some witnesses calling this an eerie spectacle that's apocalyptic. Police in New Zealand have asked people to stop calling the emergency number to report the issue. A WestJet plane went off the runway at Halifax Stanfield Airport amid a snowstorm battering the province. The aircraft, carrying more than 100 passengers and crews, skid over the runway at around noon, landing in snow and strong winds. No injuries have been reported. The storm is expected to drop up to 25 centimeters of snow. An Air Canada Express flight from Montreal to Bagoville was forced to return to Montreal on Friday after losing a wheel. Passenger video shows flames coming from one of two wheels on the left main landing gear before it comes off during takeoff. The plane was carrying 52 passengers and crew. An Air Canada Jazz spokesperson says the pilot turned some, burned some fuel rather before returning to the airport and landed safely. The aircraft is now undergoing repairs and being expected to determine what happened. A stretch of the Pennsylvania Turnpike was closed for most of today following a deadly multi-vehicle crash. Five people were killed and 60 others rushed to hospital early this morning when a tour bus, two tractor trailers and several other vehicles collided. At least 25 victims between the ages of 7 and 52 years old were transported to a local hospital. No word yet on the cause of the crash. A memorial has been set up in northern Italy at a site where six German tourists were struck and killed by a suspected drunk driver. The crash happened in the middle of the night in a popular ski region close to the Austrian border. A car plowed into a group of 17 people who had gathered near a tour bus. All those who died were in their early 20s. Eleven others were injured. The 27-year-old driver was arrested after failing a roadside breath test. The death toll has increased once again following a building collapse in Cambodia on Friday. At least 36 people have now been killed and 23 others injured when the seven-story structure came crashing down during construction. The dead include six children and 14 women. It's unclear why there were children at the site at the time or how many more people could still be trapped in the rubble. The French general overseeing the reconstruction of Notre Dame Cathedral says it's still at risk of collapse. Last year's fire started near the spire, which was under renovation. It quickly became a giant torch that collapsed. An important upcoming step will be to the delicate operation to remove the scaffolding that was around the cathedral spire. The fire also released tons of toxic lead dust into the nearby air and ground, which still needs to be cleaned up. This past Christmas, for the first time since the French Revolution, there were no Christmas services in the cathedral.
Oh, that's so sweet. Firefighters in Italy successfully revived an unconscious cat saved from a fire. Uh, the cat was revived by using an oxygen mask and by gently petting the animal. The cat, named Lampo, became unconscious after inhaling smoke coming from an apartment fire. But he's set to be doing quite well now. Cute. Okay, why this small child in Japan is in tears and why your parents are okay with it. Mm -mm. We're gonna explain that for you right after the forecast. Interesting story there. <laughs> um, okay, you've got lots to talk about. It's, uh, it's, still not a, it's still not calm out there. No, and it was a calm before the storm, but that was earlier today, and now we are tracking lots of active weather to kick things off for back to work and school on Monday, and I'll outline that in just a moment. A beautiful shot overlooking Science World and BC Place. Temperatures are sitting at six. The winds have eased off off now out of the airport southwesterly at six kilometers per hour but we did have gusts today sustained winds out of the airport at 57 and a gust up to 70 kilometers per hour windy especially in towards the fraser valley abbotsford up to 76 and a few spots across the island included within that it's still windy at this hour for hope up to 37 kilometers per hour and a sustained wind at 20 they'll start to ease off but we are tracking some rainfall that is going to move in and heavy at times overnight for the morning hours rain 20 and up to 30 millimeters for most areas, but temperatures will be cold enough. Higher elevations could see some wet snowfall, two and up to four centimeters, and then it is going to change over to rain as temperatures bump up for the afternoon. A bit of a break for the afternoon tomorrow. It'll be a chance of showers and then things pick up with the next storm on deck and that'll be for the evening and looking ahead towards Tuesday. It'll likely be the stormiest on Tuesday up in terms of the rainfall and what we'll be tracking over the next couple of days. Current snowfall warning in effect for Whistler with up to 25 centimeters if you're traveling along the Sea to Sky and for the interior, the Similkameen, the northern half of the Okanagan, as well as the central half, we'll start to see the snow developing tomorrow morning and then intensify for the afternoon, 10 and up to 20 centimeters. Here's a quick glance at the Coquihalla, so most of the snow will start to pick up. It'll be heaviest through the day for tomorrow and accumulating snowfall. A snowfall warning for the Coquihalla that's hope to merit and then the connector from merit to Kelowna up to 30 centimeters allison pass could see 30 sea to sky 25 as well as the kootenai pass was up to 30 centimeters a quick glance at some of the numbers so tomorrow's rainfall 10 and up to 20 or 20 and up to 30 and then as we get in towards the evening for tuesday onwards that's where we'll see the soaker that'll be one of the wettest days that we are tracking with a few spots seeing up to 50 or 60 millimeters the northern half of the province a different weather picture for tomorrow a few breaks especially along the coast. It'll be a chilly one inland. Smithers tomorrow up to minus five. More cloud cover for the northeastern corners of the province. A clearing approach the afternoon. Breaks pleasant across the central interior and the southern interior. The snow beginning for the morning hours. Heavy at times through the day. Intensifying for the afternoon. Especially if you're traveling along the mountain passes. Higher elevations. And Whistler will also see that along the sea to sky. Wet start for back to work and school tomorrow morning. Rain and heavy at times. It's higher elevations that will see some of that wet snowfall. The usual spots. Burnaby Mountain, Westwood Plateau. Two and up to four cents. Our five-day forecast, so we've got snowfall or wet snow, higher elevations tomorrow, and then the bulk of the moisture and heavier rain with another storm that's pushing in on Tuesday. It'll start to ease off midweek onwards. Colleen? And the sunshines are gone. I know. We may get a few breaks in there, but over the next two days, be prepared. Okay. Thanks so much. Not sure how parents in North America would feel about this, but in Japan, the new year is welcomed by scaring small children. 
Yeah, the tradition of frightening kids into crying is based on ancient Japanese folklore. Men wearing demon masks and straw capes visit homes where children live, admonishing those who may be guilty of laziness or bad behavior. Holding up the crying children, they yell, are there any naughty kids around? <laughs> should do that in some offices. I'm sure that would be a... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that will have no ill effects on the children going forward. It doesn't appear that uh, the frightened look in their eyes will have any holdover. They must know what they're doing. They've been doing uh, yeah. it for a long time. You know, time. it's tradition, and a lot of people just don't question tradition. Right. <laughs> well, they did it to me. Anyway, it's been a good tradition for Canada, winning these uh, gold medals at the World Juniors. Very nice. Did it again. Uh, it did not look good. They were down 3-1 uh, with about 11 minutes to go, but good old Canadian heart. They rallied back and maybe got a very good break late in the game when possibly a non-call went their way. It's mm. good to get a break. And the Seahawks also won. It couldn't be a better Sunday except for all the buckets of rain coming Yeah, down. good point. Yeah. All right, thanks, Bear. Looking forward to that. I have to say, the folks in our newsroom are very well-behaved today. I was the only one yelling and screaming every time we scored a goal. Yeah, well, it's, that's the great thing about this tournament. A lot of so Canadians exciting. get so excited. And yeah. Yeah, it was one of those after last year, especially in Vancouver, when it was so sour losing in the uh, quarterfinals. So it all worked out the way it's supposed to in, in hockey land. Thanks, Colleen. Uh, Team Canada has gotten better and better as the uh, World Junior Championships gone along, and that's always a good sign. After they got humbled 6-0 by the Russians earlier in the tournament, but it turned out to be just what they needed. Since then, they have dominated, and today they had that chance for redemption against those same Russians in the gold medal game. Canada's captain, Barrett Hayton, playing despite leaving yesterday's game with a shoulder injury, showing a lot of toughness there. Their goalie, Joel Hofer, who plays for the Portland Winterhawks, made a lot of big saves early. The Russians had four power plays in the first, and Canada killed them all off. The Russians did lead 1-0 in the second, but Canada tied it on a two-man power play. Dylan Cousins jams in a loose puck from the doorstep, ties it up 1-1. Go to the third, it was 2-1 Russia, and they get another one. Maxim Sorkin with a perfect shot to the top corner. 3-1 Russia, and they had to be feeling pretty good about their chances midway through the period, but Canada answers just 35 seconds later. Callan Addison's shot goes in off the leg of Connor McMichael. A friendly bounce for Canada, and that certainly helped turn the tide in the game. It's good to get a good bounce. That cut the lead to 3-2. And... Just minutes later on the power play, that captain, Barrett Hayton, will unleash a wicked wrister to the top corner. What? What sore shoulder? Not when you can shoot like that. 3-3, Canada is all jacked up. Four minutes to go. Who's going to be the hero? How about Akil Thomas? He barely played, but all these guys can dangle the puck and superb skill and effort avoids the poke check and a sweet move there you'll never forget that what a goal Canada with three straight goals to take a 4-3 lead but still time left for the Russians and then this bizarre moment under two minutes to go Canada down a man already they backhand the puck off the TV camera which is behind the glass that should be a minor penalty for puck over glass somehow though no penalty called the Russians are irate and you can't blame them blame them they could have had a long five on three instead Canada kills the clock and they are world junior champs yet again the 18th time they've won gold at this tournament Bowen Byram of the Giants part of the Canadian team that certainly will be celebrating for the foreseeable future 
The Seahawks have been road warriors this year, 7-1 and one in enemy territory, and they were hoping to make it 8 today in Philadelphia in the NFC Wild Card against an Eagles team that's even more banged up than the Seahawks. Never winning, uh, easy winning in Philadelphia on a pleasant enough plus four Celsius day. Their fans are rabid and mean. First quarter, Russell Wilson somehow completes this 24-yarder to DK Metcalf, led to a field goal, and the Seahawks were on the board up 3-0. Meanwhile, not good news for the Eagles. Starting quarterback Carson Wentz take this uh, helmet-to-helmet hit from Jadavion Clowney, drives his head into the turf, he left the game with a concussion and did not return, and that's tough for the Eagles to lose their starting quarterback. That means 40-year-old Josh McCown comes in, just five pass attempts all year, never played a playoff game in 16 NFL seasons. He'd been retired a couple years ago, but ready to go, runs it for a first down, played pretty well, led to an Eagles field goal tied at three. But late in the hack, a half, Seahawks drive, and they hand it to Marshawn Lynch. Beast mode, going into beast mode, turning back the clock, bulls his way in for the touchdown, 10-3 Seattle at halftime. Third quarter now 10-6, Seahawks extend the lead, Russell Wilson, beautiful delivery, downfield to DK Metcalf with the stretch and catch, gets up and goes in for the touchdown, a spectacular play on both ends, and the Seahawks have a 17-6 lead. Now in the fourth quarter, 17-9, fourth down, Eagles at the Seahawks, 10. But the defense comes up big as they drop McCown for the sixth time. They had seven sacks overall in the game. Then the Hawks, though, needed to get a first down to kill the clock. And on third and ten, Wilson airs it out to DK Metcalf one more time. Makes another fantastic grab. Metcalf, seven catches, 160 yards. Most receiving yards ever for a rookie in his playoff debut. Seahawks win 17-9. They will be at Green Bay next Sunday. It's a really big accomplishment, you know. Yeah, and of course, yeah, you get to advance, and you're talking about surviving. You know, we're just we're just fired up to have another chance to keep, keep playing football and keep pushing it, uh, and see how far we can go. Go back, uh, you know, to Wisconsin. Uh, it's, a, it's another home for me. You know, to go back there, it's going to be great. It's going to be cold. It's going to be snowing, uh, most likely. Uh, but it'll be fun. We'll, we'll prepare, get ready for that, and study the film, and get ready for, to roll. Now, earlier, Drew Brees and the Saints taking on the Vikings from New Orleans, but it's the Saints backup quarterback, Taysom Hill, who comes in on some packages, in for this snap, goes deep and completes a 50-yard bomb to Deontay Harris. Led to a Saints touchdown. They led 10-3, but before the half, Vikings take the lead. Dalvin Cook walking into the end zone for the TD. 13-10 Vikings at halftime. Fourth quarter, now 20-10 Minnesota, but here come the Saints. It's Drew Brees to his backup quarterback receiver, Taysom Hill. Hill does it all. Touchdown Saints, that made it 20 to 17. And New Orleans had some momentum. They drive in the final seconds. They have a chance to tie it. Will Lutz lined up from 49 yards out and it is down the middle. It's good, 20-20, we need overtime. Now the Vikings won the toss and they go right to work, Kirk Cousins with a great throw and an even better catch by Adam Thielen down to the Saints' two-yard line. And then a couple plays later, Cousins will find Kyle Rudolph for the touchdown. Now, they reviewed this for offensive pass interference. Now, Rudolph clearly did push off, but they rarely reversed the calls on pass interference in the NFL. 26-20 Vikings win. They're moving on to play the 49ers next weekend. So here is the schedule. It will be Minnesota and San Francisco Saturday at 135. Tennessee and Baltimore in the night game Saturday. And then on Sunday, it's Houston, Kansas City, and then the Seahawks at Lambeau Field at 340 kickoff there.
Welcome back. Well, those Canucks are rolling right now. They've won seven straight, but they will get tested big time when they begin a five-game road trip Tuesday in Tampa. After a slow start, the Lightning might be the best team in the NHL right now. Last night, the Canucks won yet again on home ice. It was 90s night at Rogers. Members of the 94 Cup uh, final team that took on the Rangers. Ojik, Babich, Lume, Adams, Kirk McLean, among others, there last night. Jacob Markstrom played very well again. Rangers dominated the play at times, especially in the third big pad save, and then a maybe a tribute to Kirk McLean here with the uh, two-foot patty stacker there off Jacob Truba. Under two minutes left, Tyler Myers will pull off the victory. Just a bit of an awkward shot that uh, finds the back of the net. The Canucks now up to seven, uh, seven straight wins, 50 points as they get ready to play Tampa on Tuesday. Part of the game we played really, really great and then, you know, at some parts we didn't, we didn't play our best, but, you know, we, we keep battling, we're stick to, sticking together and, uh, you know, come out with a big win tonight. You know, I thought we did a pretty good job, even when they were in, in our zone in third, I thought we, we had good positioning defensively, we battled hard and, uh, you know, we were able to put one in at the end. Now, the Lightning actually played this afternoon in Carolina against the Hurricanes, riding a six-game win streak of their own. Four-check giveaway to the wrong guy. Steven Stamkos will score his 16th, 2-0 Lightning. And then in the second, nice setup here. Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov combined to set up Braden Point 17th. Nice hands there. 3-1 the final, seven straight wins. So the Canucks in Tampa Tuesday, someone's seven-game win streak will come to an end. All right, Flames and Wild, both in hot pursuit of the Canucks in the West. Calgary beginning the night, two points up on Minnesota. First period, Milan Lucic will score here. Took him so long to get his first of the year. Now he's got four. Jams it past Alex Stalock. Now 2-2. Wild will take the lead. Marcus Foligno will jam in the loose puck right there to make it 3-2 Wild. Flames tied it, but back come Minnesota. Jordan Greenway with the nice deflection here, but the Flames did tie it, and they are very late in overtime. Just going to the shootout now. 4-4, Flames and Wild. And Sharks and Capitals. Washington leads the NHL with 61 points. Former Vancouver Giant Evander Kane had a big day. Will score here on the power play. That's his third of the game, his hat-trick goal. Natural hat-trick. Got the first three for the Sharks. Now has 18 on the year. 3-1 San Jose in front, but the Caps cut the lead to 4-3. Extra man out in the final seconds, and T.J. Oshie will tie it up with the one-timer with just 15 seconds to go. 4-4 in overtime, a wild sequence, long pass. Brent Burns has a breakaway from the blue line, but stopped by Braden Holtby. And moments after that, Caps 2-on-1, John Carlson to Lars Eller, who ends it, and the Caps win again. 5-4 over the Sharks. And we'll show you some golf from beautiful Maui. Final round of the Century Tournament of Champions. All members of the 34-player field won a PGA event last year, including uh, Corey Connors of Canada. He finished 19th. Justin Thomas, you know how windy it is out there. Great tee shot on the par three. Right now, Thomas has a one-shot lead with just two holes to go. We'll update you at 11. But everyone talks about how great it is to golf in Hawaii, but mm -hmm. it's really windy there. And if you're not a good player, wind is an enemy to the golfer. Yes, yeah, it, no ends up, it blows into the ocean. <laughs> That's not good. i have packed like 20 balls with you. <laughs> no kidding. Thanks so much, Perry. Here's a look at your snow report. Whistler Blackcomb with 9 new centimeters. 10 for Grouse, Cypress 14, and Sasquatch 25. Manning Park with 4 new centimeters. Revelstoke 9, and Kicking Horse 3. Big White, a base of 196, 186 for Silver Star. Sun Peaks 165, and Apex 117. 
Mount Washington with five new centimeters, a base of 61, a base of 203 for Whitewater, 111 Red Mountain, and Powder King 233. All righty. He spent the holidays hanging out at a home on the Sunshine Coast. When the large, uninvited guest got a little too close for comfort, a plan was devised to remove him. The marine mammal now is back where he belongs. But as Kristen Robinson reports, how he ended up several kilometers from the ocean remains a mystery. Oh, he's climbing. Here he comes. He arrived in time for Christmas, settling in on the deck where he slept like a boss, and drooled at the door, waking guests in the middle of the night. He's thumping his way around the house, checking things out, making a big racket. And I was really afraid, you know, this 500-pound animal, that if he leaned against the door or a patio door, he'd just pop it from its frame. This 250-kilogram California sea lion, rolling into the holidays on the property near Pender Harbor, where Post Media editor Massey Padgham was staying. Where are you going? Don't go too far. He didn't. The uninvited guest wouldn't leave. And he spent most of the day sleeping there. Occasionally he'd go around the corner and he found a rock. It was very dog-like as far as things. Sleep on the deck, sleep under the deck, sniff around. Soon it was time to call in the experts. It certainly was of some concern. Um, normally, the sea lions are found with other sea lions, um, but to be this far from the from the sort of open water and in a very marshy kind of habitat where you normally you'd expect you know, muskrat and beaver. He's probably so tired and distressed. The Vancouver Aquarium's marine mammal rescue team tasked with relocating the big guy, who'd quickly grown fond of freshwater pond swims. It took a lot of effort to, to move him out onto a little uh, dirt access road and onto a vehicle. With help from fisheries crews, James Pond, as his rescuers named him, was tackled, tranquilized, and tagged, and off with a grin. Oh, <laughs> An epic exit before sea lion James Pond back on track for a slow shuffle to the water and a reluctant goodbye. He sort of looked around and looked at people and then said, oh, okay. <laughs> Kristen Robinson, Global News. That doesn't look like an easy job to be waddling no. on the ground. They're built or to the be ocean. A, or to be a sea lion mover. That's why not a lot of people do it, because it's really hard. But he'll have a story to tell his buddies. He will certainly. Guess where I was. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, my goodness. Uh, okay, tell us one more time the story about the weather tomorrow. It is going to pick up overnight, heavy at times for Monday morning. Back to work and school. Give yourself a little extra time. Higher elevations, two and up to four centimeters of snowfall is what we're looking at. Easing off by the afternoon, and then the real soaker will be for us on Tuesday. So it's Monday into Tuesday. A heads up over the next couple of days, quite stormy. Okay, so my day off is the real soaker. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> okay, thanks for joining us. Sure, I'll be here at 11. Take care. <laughs>